Welcome back to The Real Film Chronicles. As always, I'm Nathan. And I'm Brian. And today, we're going to be discussing a little film called Cop Shop. Cop Shop 2021, a fairly recent release. I think it had either a small theatrical run in September. Either way, right now, which is recording time around November, it has a digital, uh, premium digital uh, video rental. Ooh, premium. Yeah, it's, you know, you know how it is. Yeah, 2021, directed by Joe Carnahan, starring Gerard Butler, Frank Grillo, and Alexis Louder. And I'll just throw out one more actor in here because I recognize him in the movie, Toby Huss. Yes. Where do where have I seen Toby Huss before or heard him? Because I think he did a voice on King of the Hill, didn't he? He may have. I came to know him through the TV show Halt and Catch Fire. That's where I first really noticed him. Okay. And now I see him in a lot of different films. So it's like, he's just out there. And when you look at his filmography... He's in quite a bit of stuff, honestly. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but like there was a lot of buzz around his performance in this film and it was all really? completely justified. So this one, I mean, I, I got to say, like, I, I didn't hear about this movie in the least bit until you you recommended it last week. So, <laughs> like what put it on your radar? Here? So when I say a lot of buzz, I, I mean, relatively, because like <laughs> Cop Shop didn't seem like it was, didn't seem like it got a lot of advertisement or a lot of play. What put it on my radar specifically was the fact that it was directed by one um, Joe Carnahan. He's directed several movies that I absolutely love, including um, Narc, um, mm-hmm. The Grey, and yep. Smoke and Aces. Smoke and Aces. Three movies that I absolutely adore. How about the A-Team? The A-Team as well. Yeah, the A-Team. I was really surprised um, how much I liked that movie because I, I had no real expectations going into that i'd watched the original show obviously as i think a lot of us did it was slightly before my time but i think we watched it on yeah. reruns i didn't have really emotional attachment but the a-team was a lot of fun yeah i'm surprised there wasn't a sequel or anything to that movie like it it was a fun movie it, it had some good effects good action scenes some good talent in there maybe it was just too pricey to put together a sequel i don't know it Seems like it should have a sequel, though, in this day of age. Yeah. For better or worse, it didn't have a sequel. But yeah, anyway, Joe Carnahan was the reason. Um, I'm a huge fan of his work. I haven't seen Boss Level yet, which I know he directed as well. Yeah. But uh, the whole premise of it, too, is very Joe Carnahan-esque, where essentially you have everything takes place in a police station, essentially. Almost got some very kind of assault on Precinct 13 kind of vibes. Yeah, you're talking cop shop now here, right? Talking cop shop, yeah. Talking... Talking cops, talking shop, talking <laughs> cop shop. It's like that. That was a pretty good pun there, Brian. I like that. That's that pretty good. <laughs> this is what the listeners came for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the whole idea of a bunch of cops and criminals, um, you know, being drawn into this one location and kind of facing off and different alliances being formed and and being broken, um, never knowing really who to trust and whose yep. motivations to trust. I mean, it's very reminiscent of smoking aces, smoking, smoking aces. Yeah. You got to uh, put that spin I know I sound on, like a, on it. I sound like a white guy. <laughs> yeah. The smoking aces. <laughs> I am a white guy, but I sounded super white there. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what drew my attention. Also, I mean, you look at the cast, I think we talked about in our episode when we talked about Greenland mm-hmm. um, and Gerard, Gerard, Butler, Gerard Butler, I don't care what anybody says. I love this guy. I will love seeing him in movies. So as soon as he shows up in a movie, 
I'm going to go out to, to see this thing. So just all this stuff. I was like, I heard that it was just a fun, enjoyable ride. And honestly, sorry to interrupt there, but nope. Frank Grillo, uh, yeah. he has a lot of credits under yes. his belt. I, I wouldn't say he's a top tier actor. He doesn't seem like he's definitely wow. cutting his teeth. Well, this is, this is the thing <laughs> in my mind. He's in a lot of, uh, smaller roles in some big budget films, but he's also in some larger roles in some lower budget movies uh, that may be construed as like B films possibly. Dude was crossbones in the MCU. Yeah. Well, that's the thing It's just like, he shows up in the MCU and you're like, Oh, I recognize Frank Grello here from this cheap uh, little sci-fi movie. I watched a little while ago. And it's like, <laughs> I'm glad to see him in these big budget films, yeah. but the dude definitely pulls his weight wherever he is. And I mean, cop shop is no different, but he has a, a serious line of, of good credits and good roles here that, I mean, I see Gerard Butler, I see Frank Grillo, and it's like, oh, this should be should be interesting film. Yeah, let me jump on the Frank Grillo love train too, because <laughs> I don't think he gets have at it. I don't think he gets enough recognition. I think that, like you said, like he's doing a lot of like I think he was in Cosmic Sin, uh, one of those directed direct to home yeah. video um, Bruce Willis deals now, where he's just like doing it for a quick paycheck. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I love watching this guy in the movie. He seems like he's he seems like he's really grateful and he's really like, he's just a hundred percent committed to well, Did he come in. from like the stunt performer world? Like he, it yeah. feels like he's a very physical actor and he's in obviously a lot of action films, but I feel like he's at, he's out there doing stuff. Yeah. On, I think he comes from definitely a martial arts background and maybe a stunt background. Yes. Yeah. I know one of the first roles I remember seeing him in was in warrior where he was the coach. Oh yes. For Joel Egerton his character um it was a it was a small supporting role but even then it stood out, he stood out to me like i loved he just like seems so like he seems like a down-to-earth dude he seems like he can get like i don't know, like down and dirty very gritty kind of thing yeah Whereas like he's not he's doesn't have like the polished edges and that comes across in his characters and that's why i love watching this guy work is like there's something something a little bit rough about him right there's something like guys like frank grillo and like joe bernthal like I'd be legitimately yes. scared if they were, if I encountered <laughs> them in a back alley, I think that they could and would legitimately kick my ass. <laughs> Whereas like other Hollywood stars, I'm pretty sure is like, like they got stunt guys and they can yeah, do yeah. some martial arts moves, but like Frank Grillo and Joe Bernthal, like they just look like if you look, if you piss them off or if you, you know, insult their mothers, like they would, they would make you eat a dirt sandwich. <laughs> That's pretty fair. <laughs> And Frank is no stranger to working with Joe Carnahan. He was in The Grey. Yeah. He was in uh, Cop Shop and he's in Boss Level as well. Uh, I, I think Boss Level, I feel like that came out a little while ago, but I believe it's rated like on Letterboxd here as a 2021 film. It may have been pushed back or, or something, but uh, regardless, both of these movies are in 2021 and these guys are uh, they're pumping out some quality material. Yeah. So that's actually a good starting point of the film because Frank Grillo's character is really what drives this movie. So yeah. essentially, um, spoiler alert, I guess. Yeah, let's spoiler right from the beginning here. Boom. Fair enough. So okay. Frank Grillo in his, I love his hairstyle <laughs> in this too, where he's got the man bun. And I think somebody comments at one point about the man bun. <laughs> it's making fun of him. But essentially, Frank Grillo is like a fixer. Um, he deals with um, politicians and various other criminal elements to what does he say build relationships or make deals but apparently he's been he's been kind of 
not being honest with his clientele, skimming money off the yeah. top. And so he's got a, a contract out on his head. So in order to kind of keep himself safe, he's on the run. He punches a cop in the face to get himself arrested and put in a cell to be kept safe. But yeah. then all these, there's hitmen out after him to collect the bounty on his head. And they end up going to this, the aforementioned cop shop or the police precinct. And there's kind of a, <laughs> essentially chaos erupts from there where yeah. you got people trying to collect the bounty on Frank Grillo's head. Um, and then you have cops trying to protect him. And then sometimes that switches. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you basically <laughs> summed it up there. Like uh, the first guy who comes in to, to get him is Gerard Butler playing an assassin. Right. Uh, and he does a sim- similar movie. His knows- name, by the way, is, is Bob Vidic. The only, Vidic, the only yeah. reason I remember is because it sounds a lot like um, Dick Riddick, the uh, the main character of Riddick. His name is Richard Richard B. Riddick. Dick, like Vin Diesel Riddick. Yeah, the movie Riddick. The character's name is his Rick, name is Dick Riddick. His name is Richard B. Riddick. People okay, often okay. Re- people often refer to him as Riddick, but like his full name in the movie is Richard <laughs> B. Riddick, shortened to Dick Riddick. And this guy's ba- name, um, Dred Car. Jared Butler's character's name is Bob Vidick. That's, that's why which, I remember that. Which, uh, <laughs> which Riddick film did we establish his full name? Was that in Pitch it Black? It was in Pitch Black. Chronic, in the very first yeah. one, we got Richard Riddick. Yeah, because like it sounds Oof. like it sounds so badass. He's like, yeah, Riddick. It's like, yeah, Richard Riddick. <laughs> Doesn't sound <laughs> no disrespect to all the Richards out there. <laughs> <laughs> but like, how many action heroes are named Richard? Right, like at least one, I guess. But it's not the name you'd uh, expect. It's, it's not the first yeah. name you'd expect for a character named Riddick. But Bob, Vidic. I would have assumed he had no other name. It was just Riddick. Like that's definitely more imposing than having like Madonna. Any name. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a, yeah exactly. I mean you could put anything in front of Riddick and it's going to pale in comparison. Yeah, exactly. Tom, Tom Riddick, Tom Riddick. That, that see that sounds like um, Voldemort's name, right? What was the, it what does, was yeah. name? Tom Riddle. Tom Riddle. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah, naming characters not as easy as you think there, Brian. <laughs> You're right. I have no business in that. I'll just say I, I I was satisfied not knowing that Riddick had a first name until this moment. <laughs> well, this is like your Santa Claus moment. <laughs> yeah, it is. It truly is. But anyway, okay. Sorry, back to cop shop. So yeah, yeah. Gerard so, Butler, aka Bob Vidick, take it from there. Yeah, so he basically does the same thing as uh, Frank Grillo's character, which I can't remember his name at. That's fine. Um, <laughs> he puts himself in a jail. I think he uh, he basically runs into some cops. He does a sideswipe on them when they're doing like a checkup on a They're uh, checking Frank Grillo's car and he does a sideswipe on them. Yeah, so they basically get him, pull him into jail. He's acting drunk. So they keep the drunk people in a separate cell, like literally just across the hall from all the other people they have in jail. So you have uh, Gerard on one side and Frank on the other. And yeah, basically they're both in jail. And when all the cops kind of disappear, uh, Gerard sort of comes to life, so to speak. And it's just like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to kill you soon. Like you're, we got a contract on your head. Yeah. This is going to be the end of it. And of course, Frank is just being like, yeah, well, you're never going to get through these cells or whatever. But of course, Gerard has a whole plan where I think he, yeah, part of the evidence that the cops bring in and put, place it in a desk, like sort of, it's almost like a smoke bomb or something. Yeah. It basically sets off all the smoke alarms, uh, which I, I got to say that part of the movie 
drove me crazy with the surround sound. The actual fire alarm in the cop station it was, super was so loud. extraordinarily loud. Yeah. yeah. That there was dialogue in the movie that I literally could not hear because this was going on. And I'm just like, what? Is this my surround sound setup messing up here? But it is what it is. And that's basically when Gerard's like, okay, he's going to get out there. He manages to get a, uh, one of the guards' guns and start shooting at him. But uh, yeah, it's he, he's unsuccessful in killing him at that point, obviously. Yeah. Also, for the record, Frank Grillo's character is Tenny, Teddy Moretto. So we can, we can stop because like nobody wants to kill Frank Grillo. The no, guy's a big teddy true. bear, but people. People hate Teddy Moretto. Yeah, Teddy's a jerk. Yeah. He is pretty slimy in this movie. He is a bit of a slime ball. I like what they did with his character, where it's back and forth. We seem like he, he's kind of sympathetic to some degree, where he's got um, this backstory where he's got his, mm-hmm. his ex-wife and his kid that he's trying to protect from these hitmen as well, because obviously um, they've been threatened as a means to try to get to him because he's gone on the run. Um, and he's talking with the police officer, Alexis Young. Who does she play? What's, oh yeah. Alexis Louder? Alexis Louder. Sorry. I was getting the character's name mixed up with the act- actor. So Alexis Louder. Also, I've, I've never seen her before in a movie. No. But she is definitely someone to look out for. I'm going to be keeping an eye out for her because she was great in this. She plays, yeah, she plays Valerie Young, um, one of the mm-hmm. police officers and kind of like, I think the main, you might say like the main character or like the main police officer character, because we follow her quite a bit and she's kind of essentially kind of driving the plot essentially for, for a lot of this. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because she has a lot of interaction between, there's, so there's essentially between Teddy and Valerie and Bob, there's kind of in the, in the holding cells, there's this back and forth going on where she's trying to figure out exactly what's going on, who mm-hmm. to trust, if she can trust anybody. And it's, there's, there's a lot of nice kind of character beats there where, I mean, Gerard Butler, um, you know, I got to give him props after all the um, kind of chick flicks and romantic comedies he's, he was in for a while that he's so now dedicated to being like as greasy <laughs> and dirty as possible in yeah, all his yeah. movies. Like you look at this, you look at Den of Thieves, um, even Greenland, where he's like, he wasn't super clean cut, is like, I admire the, uh, it's almost like this kind of compensation. It's like, you know, I, I was playing yeah, the yeah. clean cut, you know, love interest. Now I'm just going to play like a greasy, bearded, no good, low life. It's, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, how good of an assassin is uh, Vidic supposed to be in this movie, right? Like he sort of. He manages in the first uh, distraction in the, in the cop shop to get a guard's gun and just basically fire through these bars uh, at uh, Teddy. Well, he's is unsuccessful, but is shut down by Victoria, right? So, Valerie, but to answer your question, Valerie, yes, he's so good that he almost ends the movie after 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's pretty good. <laughs> he's pretty good. But is he as good as the next assassin that shows up? So basically, yeah, that's kind of shut down and the movie just sort of progresses. Uh, I, I can't remember all the exact events, but this is where Toby Husk comes in and he his character is um, Lamb, Anthony Lamb. Anthony Lamb. Uh, Tony Lamb. He wants to be called Tony. He does want to be called Tony. He's very clear Vidic on that. Vidic is just like, no, no, your name's Anthony. He's just like, God, disrep-. because this guy is walking the walk, right? Like he is so 
up there. He is so arrogant and like full of ego that like this guy, like he thinks so much of himself. And to be fair, he basically walks into this cop station and just absolutely murderizes. He just murders oh, everybody. Well, he murders like what, like it's five graphic. or seven people? Like, yeah, it's really graphic, and it's honestly like fairly. I, I don't know. I was kind of like shocked at the suddenness of of how quickly these these people were dispatched. It was just it was really brutal to watch. And I think that at that point, the I don't know the movie. It's like it, it's sort of comedic in a way. Like it's. Is it a dark humor? Yeah, well, I think, like, well, what's going on here? Yeah, I think Joe Carnahan, you see a lot of his work and there's a lot of dark humor in it. Like, same as I'm going to keep referring to Smoke and Aces because it was very similar in that tone where there's like really violent, terrible stuff going on. Mm. But he finds these, these kind of moments, these character beats to get some really kind of humorous, humorous moments that shouldn't be funny, but they are. And it's yeah. it's a it's a really tough balance to maintain, and I think that's very in keeping with Joe Carnahan's style. So, um, oh, what's her name again? Valerie. So basically, Valerie, Valerie uh, is one of the last police in the station to be alive, and she's like running uh, towards the uh, the holding cells here with the uh, with Anthony Lamb chasing her with a with like a fully automatic weapon, and she basically gets into uh, it's kind of like a little uh, like safe room. That acts as like a buffer between the rest of the police station and the holding cells. Yeah. Bulletproof glass. And I love the scene where she's reprogramming the keypad, like the password on the keypad. All the while, the bulletproof glass is like slowly chipping away and you see little glass shards falling down and she's keeping her cool like perfectly, right? It's great. And she's not flinching at all. And then she eventually gets into the holding cell area, but she unfortunately shoots herself because when you're shooting from inside this little safe room, the bullet ricochets, shoots herself in the gut, and she's now sitting there with Gerard and, sorry, with Vidic and Teddy, <laughs> and that's where she's spending most, pretty much the rest of the movie, sort of piecing together, like the three of them can interact and piece together, like, whose story is real here? Like, what is Teddy's story? Right? Yeah, exactly. So, Valerie Young, so she is, like, the lawful good character, right? She's out yeah. there doing right for the sake of doing right. She's got a very strict moral code. That scene um, where she's reprogramming that, um, where she's reprogramming the keypad, as you like, mm. yeah, that stood out to me as well because it's like this is great balance of somebody who's like you have to show as an actor you're in this stressful situation and you're feeling the stress, but you're dealing with the stress, yeah. and so to show that balance, it's easy to like sit there and like act, act cool, like act like nothing's going on because nothing is going on really. It's a movie, mm -hmm. right? You're not being, you're not actually being shot at, but to like. To get across the fact, like, you're feeling the stress, but you're holding back the stress, where she's like, obviously, she wants to, like, she just wants to bolt. You can, you can really get a sense of that, right? You can see the sweat yep. dripping off her, but, like, her face is really calm. And it's also worth mentioning, Joe Carnahan loves to have his... One thing he's really good at is having his setups and payoffs. So the one mm -hmm. thing, I think the first scene in the movie, you see um, Officer Young, um, she's playing... Um, she's essentially doing a quick draw with that revolver, I guess she bought yeah. online. And like her, her captain's kind of teasing her about this thing. It's like, that's this old revolver from like the 1800s. Like it's no good in a yeah. modern gun battle. Like why do you even carry that thing? Yeah. And it's like, I love that the movie too is like goes out of the, if it's way to show that, yeah, it's, it is kind of useless in a modern gun battle. One, A, she shoots herself with it. Yeah. <laughs> and then B, later on when she does have a gun battle, she almost immediately 
trades up for other weapons to be yeah. able to keep up. So it's kind of a neat color where it's like it's almost like that old cowboy yeah. kind of imagery. It's a six shooter. Yeah. And she's, I mean, she re- reloads once or twice, but it's like clearly she has super limited ammo with this giant uh, uh, hand cannon here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she has to get rid of it because like it just does not keep yeah. up with But she's got, so she got, she <laughs> ends up shooting herself in the gut. It's funny because like she's the main character and she's this lawful good character. And it's like, but like she's pretty, in the end, she's pretty ineffectual. She ends mm-hmm. up either getting shot or not, or getting, she takes on a bad guy, but she doesn't really finish him off. Yeah. But she's in the cell. So there's a ticking clock. She's shot in the belly. She's bleeding out. And then like Teddy and Bob Vidic are both like, man, you need help. And she's like, there's a first aid kit or a paramedic kit somewhere else in the building in, in such and such a room. It's like, I need somebody to go get it. And she's trying to figure out like, Tony, Teddy and Bob are in two different cells and they're both trying to like tell her, it's like, you can trust me. I'll go get the thing and, and come back for you. Like yeah. we're in this together because they're in there. And then Lamb is trying to get in there and she, he's going to kill anybody who gets in his way. I love there's this line about um, where Teddy calls um, Bob a, a psychopath and he's like, I'm not a psychopath. Yeah. I'm a professional. It's like, what's the difference? It's like, yeah, you'll know the difference when the time comes. And so, and then Anthony <laughs> Lamb shows up and he's just like, and he's like acting all crazy. He's like drawing dicks on the, on the door yeah, yeah. to taunt them. And he's like singing, he's, he's in the middle of killing people and singing songs and stuff. And we're doing like the cat meow thing. He's like, meow, I'm coming in there to get you. Yeah. And, and, he, and then I love that Dred <laughs> Butler like looks over at Teddy. He's like, that's a psychopath. <laughs> it's like yeah. such a great, like set up kind of payoff thing. But yeah, like, uh, what was his name again? Huss? Yeah. Uh, what was Toby his first Huss. name? Toby. Toby. Yeah, Toby Huss. Like, yeah, he, he you could tell he was having a blast playing oh, that yeah. character. He was really enjoying that. Yeah. <laughs> he basically had full full freedom to just go all out in that role, and it sort of worked out but, pretty well for him. But Tony, Tony Lamb, um, he also has the help of, uh, there's a crooked cop in the station mm-hmm. who, before it was shown, he was like... Um, um, it wasn't showing who he was talking to, but he was stealing drugs from the evidence room to pay off some yeah. kind of debt, but he ends up teaming up with Lamb and they're trying to get in. They're trying to like break down the wall to get in because they can't shoot through the door. They can't break down the door, so they're going to try and go into the wall, yada, yada, yada. Yep. And then, uh, what's her name? Valerie, Valerie Young yep. is the character. Okay. Make sure I get the character's yes. name right. <laughs> she chooses Teddy to go she gives him her gun he's like go get the paramedic kit and come back and and help me and like bob vidix is like you don't know this guy man you don't know yeah. what he's capable of and she just she knows she doesn't know teddy but she knows that bob is a professional um hitman and so yeah. right off the bat because of her kind of her moral alignments and i know i'm using a lot of I don't know why I'm using the D&D metaphor in this one. You must have seen it earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I, mu- I must have been, must have been on Reddit or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she, I think the whole point is like, she doesn't trust him because of who she knows she is. And so she's taking a chance on Teddy. Yeah. And so Teddy well, goes Because out. Teddy is supposed to be in like, almost like a protective custody. Like we know yeah. he's working with the FBI and other law enforcement. Exactly. And it's just like, oh, well, oh. He, he may be bad, but at least he's trying to, turn good oh, right? like he, he's doing something but good but do you trust the rat brian 
Do right? you trust? Do you trust the devil you know or the devil you don't? I don't know. What would you have done in that situation? I was, because I was. That's a legit good question. Because like, I was playing the meta game, right? Because like, if Gerard Butler asked me for the gun, it's like, yeah, Gerard but- Butler and Frank Grillo was like, as much as I love both those guys, like Gerard Butler's getting my gun. <laughs> Wait, if you were sitting there wounded in the holding cell with them, yeah, which gu- who do you give the gun? That's a really great question, and it's like. I don't think I would disagree with her action here to give it to Teddy based on the information she had. It makes As sense. the audience member, we had a little more information uh, to know that, you know, obviously Teddy's not 100% like de- a decent person yeah, here. Yeah, I think there was a couple kind of hints where he was not quite telling the whole story because he would say something and he would get caught out on a lie. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't a huge lie, but it was just enough to like let you know, it's like, well, maybe the this character is yeah. not quite on the up and up. But he seemed like, like you said, like he was a rat. So he was like, in, he was working with the FBI trying to get other people to turn. He was an informant. So he was yeah. like, he had skin in the game, right? So like she, from her point of view, it made sense that he was also worried about his family. Um, although yeah. he finds out before he even goes to get the paramedic kit that they are actually dead already. Because he was mm-hmm. trying to bargain. is like, oh, well, what can I do? He was, he was like, Teddy was talking to Bob Vidic. It's like, well, what can I do to save my family, right? And it turns out that his family's already been murdered, apparently yeah. by Anthony Lamb. Spoiler alerts. The psychopath, Spoilers. The psychopath <laughs> murdered his family. Yeah. So he, he's got nothing to live. So like she finds out only kind of too late. And I think she clues in. It's like mm-hmm. as he's leaving, it's like he's now got nothing to live for because she also with, withheld that information from him. So like mm-hmm. not only is, does he have nothing left to lose, he's also kind of, there's a seed of mistrust, but it was already after she let him out of his cage. And so it was yeah, like, yeah. I love that there's always this kind of tension going on is like, who can you trust? Can this character trust this character? Is there going to be a turn? Is there more going on? Um, and that's one of the things that kind of, it's one of the things that really at the heart of this movie that, that keeps you watching, right? And that nice short runtime. Super short runtime. Yeah. It was like <laughs> nice and tight. One thing about Joe Carnahan too, is like he, he doesn't overstay his welcome. He knows exactly yeah. when to clear the stage. He's like, you know, it's like he's not, he's not telling three-hour epics. He's not directing Lord of the Rings. He's directing fun little action movies. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. And then there's like Teddy gets out of the cell. There's a showdown between him and Lamb and the corrupt cop. Mm-hmm. And then Gerard Butler's character, Bob Vidic, he also gets out of the cell. Well, we should say he reveals that he had the ability to, because uh, oh, earlier yeah. Valerie handcuffed him into one onto one of the bars and it was just like good you're you're locked in there and so he basically sits there the entire time cuffed to the bars of the prison and when teddy leaves and everything he basically just uncuffs himself it's just like yeah i could have done this at any moment in time it's just like oh man almost like another reason why maybe you should have trusted this guy because he had the option to leave at any time really yeah he could have staged another escape attempt at any time you get the feeling like all of a sudden it's like he could have tried again to escape, but he was trying yeah. to play nice. It seemed like um, Bob Vidic was being set up as like, yeah, he's the, he's got a, he's a, I guess he's like what lawful evil or chaotic. I don't know. Lawful evil maybe because he's got, yeah. he's a hitman. He's beaten people to death he's, with their own he's legs. He's a hitman with some ethics. Like he doesn't he's want got to kill code. any innocent people or anything. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just, even, it's that standard code. Even when Valerie young, um, the officer has him like has the gun pointed at his head. You get the sense that he could have yes, overtaken definitely. her if he wanted to. Cause he was like standing there. Like you looked at him. He's like, he was like 
seen how to play it. It's like, do I do this and maybe end up yeah. killing her in the process? And it seemed like there was, he had like, he had some kind of code, whether it was a code that you and I would want to live by. I don't know. Um, you know, beating people to death with their own severed legs. Maybe not the guy you want to hang out with, but maybe the guy you want in your corner in a gunfight, I guess. Yeah. Well, without a doubt. <laughs> or, or yeah. in a leg fight, maybe. I don't know. A leg fight. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Man. So, and, and yeah, after Teddy has his little shootout and everything, uh, Vidic goes out to get him. Yeah. And during that, it's kind of like a little more of a tense, like cat and mouse thing. They're going through like this very labyrinthine uh, shower situation in the basement of this cop yeah, shop. I don't know who just designed like... this locker room and shower, <laughs> but it seemed like it was like a maze. It seemed like something they out did of show that. Yeah, exactly. It did show that there was some of it under construction, yeah. which was probably good because yeah, maybe they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna redo the shower and locker room here. But basically, the the film tries to uh, pull a fast one over you. Uh, Teddy uh, and Vidic are sort of talking, and just like, well, you know, uh, I can't remember. Does Vidic want to kill Lamb, or he's he's gonna let Teddy kill Lamb? Yeah. I think? So what happens is like it's a great moment too. It's like so Vidic gets the upper hand on on Lamb, kind of. So and then Lamb like pulls a knife and stabs him in the hand, and yeah, he like kind of looks at him. He's like, "There's like a muted reaction." He's like, "Oh, Anthony, what did you do?" <laughs> it's like almost like he's not feeling the pain, and then he takes it, still sticking out of his hand, and he stabs him with his own knife. And then yeah. like a second later, he's like, "Oh, that's starting to hurt now," and he pulls it out. It's almost like yeah. when that first happens, like the adrenaline rush, you don't feel the pain. I was like, "That seems like such a kind of true to life kind of thing." Where it's like, you probably wouldn't feel it the moment it went in, but a couple moments later. You're going to be feeling that. But anyway, like, yeah. So Teddy comes in and like, they know now that Anthony Lamb killed, sorry, Tony. I don't want to get on his bad side. (laughs) Tony Lamb. It's okay. Oh yeah. The heck with that guy. (laughs) The heck with you, Anthony Lamb. But yeah, they know that Anthony Lamb killed Teddy's family. So Gerard Butler, he literally says like, yeah, parlay. He's like, what? It's like, you know, like the old pirates, like parlay. It was like, we're just going to have a sit down. It's like, I know that this guy killed your family. So like, let's just like, for a moment, we'll step back. I'll pretend. We'll pretend like our situation isn't happening. I'll give you the satisfaction of killing the guy who killed your family. And as he's talking, Teddy's Teddy picked up this semi-automatic uh, mm-hmm. or automatic um, machine gun, and he shoots uh, Vidic down as he's telling him this. And he goes over and again brutally murders Anthony Lamb. You see the blood spurt up. Um, in the yeah. shower and it's dark and the shower's going and there's blood's going and there's the way that it's the camera's angle. It's almost like a horror movie, the way it's shot. <laughs> Did you mention that he shoots Vidic? Yeah. Did I just miss that? I just like phased out or something? Uh, this is great. Like even Brian doesn't pay attention when I talk. Like, <laughs> this bodes well for our, our listenership. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, but I, I think it was significant because he shoots Vidic and Vidic like literally in my mind, like comically like flies off screen and they don't show like the body, like they do show lamb. Like he said like the amount of graphic, like blood and stuff comes out of lamb there. It's just like, oh, that guy's definitely dead. Oh, yeah. Like there's that unwritten cinematic rule that it says if you don't see somebody die on screen, yeah. they ain't dead yet. Yeah. Well, it's just like it was 100% obvious. It's just like, yeah, Vidic is not dead. Yeah. He'll be coming back. But Teddy, he soldiers on and he's going to return to Valerie, the cop. And just kind of like a change of heart. Is maybe thinking about it a little more. He has her gun. He's just like, no, nah, just tosses it away. Oh. It's just like, yeah, let's 
let's just set the place on fire. Now. I don't think he had a change of heart. I think that was his ten- intention. The it was whole always his time. plan. Yeah. Why did he? Why did he go back down to the holding cell area? Because he was setting it on fire. Okay. Because he wanted to kill so her, he, so there's no witnesses. It's like he went down yeah. there to make sure that she got burned alive first. It just it almost yeah. I mean I don't disagree. It was, it was just the way it was shot. The moment was like yeah. it was like for dramatic effect where he's walking and you see this change and you see him like holding yeah, the gun yeah. and she and you see like oh he tosses her gun into the garbage can. It's like you know, oh Bob Vidic was right. This guy is no good. Yeah. He's not coming back yeah. for her. And he grabs the two cans it's of gasoline that are just sitting yeah. there for no reason. As it's for all the construction equipment in the basement. Yeah, you know when you're doing construction and you have cans of gasoline sitting around? Well, they had some heavy <laughs> machinery down there, right? <laughs> yeah, no, because like all they had there was the, the <laughs> no, jet. They, they had like the sledgehammer. Charms. It was the only thing they, they had yeah, to get to the true. wall. There was no heavy machinery. It's true. The, yeah, you're 100% right because the other guys needed like, they had to break through a foot of concrete wall and the best they could find is a sledgehammer. Yeah. <laughs> Even though there's all this construction with gas in any event. <laughs> When he's going back upstairs, surprise, surprise, Valerie is already up there. It's like ready for him. He, she's got her whole bulletproof vest on and everything. She's got her gun back. And it's and just like. She obviously played Left for Dead because she got her shot of adrenaline in there to get her. Yes, she mentioned the adrenaline. Yes. <laughs> yes, 100%. And then basically we have a big old shootout in the cop shop while the place is going up in flames. They get upstairs into the armory, get some better guns. And uh, yeah, there's just some madness going on and I think she she says she does manage to call for help so she's like people are coming and of course the first one on the scene ends up being the corrupt I want to say FBI they may not be FBI yeah but the other corrupt cop who was basically uh burying the evidence of Teddy's story right it was it was just like oh there's gonna be shoot out here there are FBI agents who were gunned down she's covering all that stuff up in an unrelated scene from about an hour ago yeah uh, so now she's there and she's just like, no, I got a shotgun. Bam, shoots Valerie. She's down. But of course, she's got the bulletproof vest on. So, you know, she's, she's somewhat okay. She's got to be pretty, she's got to be feeling pretty rough. I like too now. that she didn't just bounce right back up. It was like when she got yeah, shot, no, she, she was like, she was down for the count. She wasn't getting back up to fight. Like that was it. Like the next shot was going to be death. And then surprise, surprise again, Vidic uh, shoots the corrupt FBI agent lady. <laughs> And she's down and it's just like, yeah, this is, this is happening. And then I think he kills Teddy for good at that point, right? Uh, he shoots him four or five times in the face with a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty violent. <laughs> oh yeah. Also, he's got the bag with Anthony Lamb's head in it because yes, the head. there's also he was spending his, a contract yes. out on Anthony Lamb's head. So even the hitman are getting hits yeah. put on them. So he, like, he's like. Bob Vidic is laughing all the way to the bank. He's got well, two it's a paydays. double uh, payday yeah, for him. Yeah. Exactly. And Anthony Lamb must have a pretty high payday on his head. Pretty high bounty. Well, I think they said it was only like 60K. So like, Oh, that's right. Yeah, maybe that's not a lot. Was, oh, oh it's tax free, though. It's a lot for Brian, Mr. Moneybags over here. Okay, well, there, okay there, Scrooge McDuck. I'm it's thinking like, oh, it's only, murder. Oh, it's just a <laughs> it's pocket I'm change. I'm thinking murder costs a lot of money. Like, how much would Teddy's bounty be? 10,000? Well, put 15, it this 000? way. If, if, you know, hit manning, you know, if assassination paid a lot, <laughs> you probably wouldn't have a lot of hitmen left because they'd all retire super early. Like if every, if every payday was a million bucks, 
nobody's going to be around yeah, but anymore. But if movies have taught me anything is that they will pull you back in, man. It doesn't matter how much money they have. They pulled John Wick back in. For one last many, job. For one last Again. job. Again. Yeah. It's just like John Wick had all the money in the world and it's like they still made him angry enough to go back in. And then yeah. come back in for three more seasons. <laughs> but <laughs> At least. But yeah, I mean, the money, the money aside. And I think basically Vidic helps her out. Yeah. Uh, of the police station, it was just like, all right, she's safe now. Uh, the first people on the scene are are firefighters, of course. And uh, the movie feels like it's wrapping up at that point. But no, uh, Vidic takes a, was he take a police car? Was he take? Yeah, he takes, he takes one vehicle. of the unmarked cop cars and he yeah. he makes for uh, the nearest. He's going uh, to Chicago. Yeah. Oh, he's going to Chicago. He's got to go collect his bounty. You can't let this head in, in the car decompose that much. Bring me the head nasty. of Anthony Lamb. Yeah. And then Valerie is being fixed up by the paramedics and they're like, okay, well, we got to take you to the hospital. And she's like, no, nah, no, nah, I got work to do. And she, she basically hijacks the ambulance on the way to the hospital and starts following Vidic. It's just like, this guy's going down now. It's like, <laughs> there's no, she's like, no, no, he helped me out a little bit, but he's a criminal. Well, I love, he's getting his justice. I love the fact that at the end when they're like, it's a split screen and the song comes on mm. and they're both singing that same song. It was the same song that Anthony Lamb had um, sung earlier. So there was like a discussion about like deja vu and like somebody said, oh, that deja vu. And then like, yeah, Teddy had said, oh, this is deja vu. And then Bob, Bob was like, that's not deja vu. And they had gotten this argument about what deja vu was. But then that song comes yes, on the yes. radio and, he, and he's like, smiles to himself <laughs> like deja vu. Cause like, Anthony had been singing that song like a couple um, scenes earlier, but it's like split screen. Like they're singing, he's driving away and she's driving after him, presumably. But I love that. It's great. It's like, he's, it shows their character where like, he's the, you know, um, assassin kind of with the code of honor. He's clearly the bad guy, but he's enjoying what he does. He takes his beatings and keeps on going. Mm-hmm. And then you have like, here's this cop who, made this bond with this criminal in this situation where like, you know, he saved her life. They were kind of working together, but she can't let it go. She's the good guy. He's the bad guy and he's not going to get away from her. And so she's got like to a fault. She's determined to put the bad guys away, even if they help her. She's in her mind. That's why I call their lawful good is like there, there's no exceptions to the rule. If you break Mm -hmm. the law, you break the law, even if you help me. And so I love that, like, she was, she's not a perfect character either, right? She's got these flaws where it's like, she can't, she just can't let it go, right? She's so determined and she's so stuck in her, in her code of morality that she won't let anything go like this. Yeah. So do you think we're going to get a sequel to this thing? I mean, Carnahan movies don't typically have sequels, but. Yeah. Smoke and Aces 2 came out. I don't think that was directed oh, yeah. by he, what, yeah, he Joe didn't Carnahan. That was but... one of those. So we might see a Cop Shop, The Return. Ah, uh, yeah. Cop Shop 2, Electric Boogaloo. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't hold my breath. I'm still waiting on uh, the real rock and roll from Guy Ritchie. So. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think this is the kind of movie, like, that's what I kind of enjoy about Joe Carnahan's movies was like, it's kind of a one and done, which is a weird thing to say that that's a refreshing thing now. Oh, I couldn't agree. That more, I don't yeah. see like, just cause maybe it's just like the, the shared universe and sequel and remake and reboot fatigue. Burnout. It's become like full circle now where we see like, it used to be the, the norm where we just get, go to a movie theater mm-hmm. when we were kids 
And we just like watch a movie and we be awesome. <laughs> and we didn't expect it's like, oh, we, we have to read this comic or watch this show or like there's going to be like 20 more episodes, 20 more movies in the series. Like, no, it was just a movie and you watched it. Maybe there's a trilogy, but most of them was just like, no, like you watch the movie and it's done, right? Yep. Now that's, yep. Now that's a mean, breath of fresh air. Well, it's funny, like in my mind, we definitely grew up in the in the eighties, like the the age yeah. of like commercialization and sequels and, and everything like like all our favorite movies when we were younger had multiple sequels. And the nineties didn't really change too much in that way, but now it's like a whole other beast where we have mega franchises, mega sequels. It's like if we got three Indiana Jones movies. That was pretty cool. That's three movies. Now we're getting nine sequels to a to a a, a car racing movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll be and damned like, if I let you sit here and slander the good name I'm of the not, Fast and Furious franchise, Brian. It's just this really good example of like a very unassuming car racing movie that had no real ambition to turn into a series. And then they they managed to find a way to do it, right? Well, yeah. And maintain the actors for 20 years to keep coming back. Like Vin Diesel's still doing it. Back both. in my day, back in the day, you had one movie or you had a trilogy <laughs> and that was it. And that was good enough for us. Honestly, I, I, I feel like we did come from an age of trilogies. Indiana Jones. Back to the Future. Back to the Future. The Godfather. <laughs> yeah. That was, it just seemed like that was the structure. Like it made perfect sense. You got the beginning middle and the end you have your story yeah. you didn't need godfather part four episode six volume two point three <laughs> <laughs> the return of sofia coppola i don't know like you didn't need all that stuff right it's like i didn't i don't need and thank goodness robert zemeckis um getting really off on a tangent yeah. here but like they are really sticking to their guns about not having yeah. any remakes, reboots, or sequels to the Back to the Future franchise. But yeah, that's what I liked about Cop Shop is just like, yeah, I can watch this and I can be there for whatever the the 90 minute runtime. When it's over, it's it's over. I don't have to worry about, oh man, Cop mm -hmm. Shop part two. Do I have to remember in the first movie, this guy was married to this person and this guy got a splinter <laughs> at this person's house and now they're bonded for life for some reason. I don't know. Right. But like, it's nice to just like sit back, relax. Yeah. Watch a move, a self-contained narrative. So are you, are you buying this movie on uh, Blu-ray 4k ultra HD? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I will. Um, I'll say, I don't know what, do you want to give our ratings now? Yeah, we better get a range. Let me hear. I did actually, I did not mean to have Letterboxd open and see your rating on here, but I saw it about halfway through. So I kind of know, but I I still have questions about your rating. So let's, what did so you rate this? Thing? I was torn between three and three and a half stars. I gave it yeah. three in the end. I had a lot of fun with this. What brought it down? What brought it down from three and a half? Um, I think there was a, there were a couple, um, it was just a little bit rougher on the edges for some of the character developments. Um, it felt like there were a couple threads that were kind of dropped. I felt like some of the cop characters, they were trying to be developed. I keep, I kept comparing it to like smoke and aces where like mm -hmm. all these characters were so memorable and maybe they were a little bit more flamboyant cop shop felt almost like it was trying to be 
smoking aces. It had the very yeah. kind of smoking aces vibe of like all these disparate characters coming together, um, fighting this battle and facing off against each other. But it didn't quite um didn't quite work for I think this is the thing. I'm torn because I had a lot of fun watching this. I loved the main it characters, sounds, the yeah. actors. And that's why I was kind of torn. It might go up to three and a half stars, but right now, like realistically, I think three stars is it's a it's a solid rating. Like I would happily throw this on again. You know, like a nice Saturday afternoon, just like a nice it's almost like a this is like to me like comfort food movies, right? Like this is not changing the world. Like for me, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you look at a movie like The Grey that Joe Carnahan also directed. To me, like that had something really deep and meaningful to say and like i'll watch that and i'll have thoughts i'll have deep thoughts and i'll feel <laughs> deep feelings and this one i'll just be like yeah i'm watching these guys a bunch of crazy people kill each other and that's fun too it's it's it is it's interesting because we're like the past half hour or so i i was expecting based on <laughs> the way you were enthusiastically talking about the movie that this was going to be rating much higher and i think i also uh, recently going through some 2021 films and looking at other people's uh top movies of 2021 i saw this in a few like top 10 top 15 of the year films i'm thinking oh maybe nathan will hit that as well and i'm kind of surprised this is down at a three star for you, honestly. Um, yeah, me too. It's listen, I love Joe Carnahan. I love his movies. And I just, yeah, I, I had to go with my gut. That's what my gut told me. <laughs> you, you can't turn away the gut for sure. <laughs> I totally respect that. All right. Well, let, let's hear yours. If you're, if you're so I, I watched this. Yeah. I watched this movie and I, I came away somewhat disappointed and yeah. unimpressed. I thought maybe, based on our conversation here is like, oh, I could see it, it was nice hearing some excitement about it and hearing like the, the fun you got out of this movie where I think I saw a lot more like just the movie felt totally inconsistent. Like the intro scene happened and I'm like, is this going to be a weird sort of comedy film? And then it turns into, we go into the scene where we're introduced to uh to Valerie and she's like swinging this uh, giant six shooter around her coworker, another cop has the same gun and they're kind of like practicing shooting each other, like a quick draw thing. Right. I'm like, yeah. Oh, this is going to come into play later. And it, it doesn't really play in later. Like she ends up shooting herself and spends most of the movie sitting on the floor, bleeding out. I'm like, well, it seems kind of odd, but like, I understand how the movie plays out, but it felt very inconsistent to me when I was watching it and honestly, extraordinarily predictable. Like, I feel like I knew the entire outcome of this movie before. I mean, with every, like there were no hints, there was no subtlety to the movie. Events were just like telegraphed, especially with Vidic being killed off screen. It's like, come on, everyone in this movie has been killed graphically, quite graphically on screen. And then this guy just flies off screen. It's just like, well, I know he's going to come back at the right moment. When the other FBI agent, the crop one comes in, is like, well, this is Vidic's chance to come back right now. And obviously he does, right? But yeah, I was just, uh, I was kind of uh, underwhelmed by the film. That's fair. But I still had some fun watching it. Like I I wasn't distracted at all. Like sometimes I might go to my, my phone if I'm really bored with the movie. I didn't find the movie boring ever. Uh, I still had some fun with it. I was sitting on two and a half stars, 
but I was also thinking three stars and it's like, well, maybe I should give it two and a half because I wasn't nearly as enthused with it as you were. And you gave it three stars, right? <laughs> no, that's fair. But see, that's one of the charms of this movie is what you see is exactly what you get. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right? Yeah. I mean, like you said, you kind of want to just sit back and like watch a film. I think there's a lot of stuff to get out of this movie for that. It's like, yeah, this would be an easy to film to go and put back on in a year or two. I mean, you knew everything that was going to happen at the beginning. The first time you watched it, oh, yeah. second time you watch it, it's not going to take away from that, knowing the, the ending. It's just going to be just as fun the second time For around. me, I just love watching all those actors, Frank Grillo, Gerard Butler, Toby Huss, and Alexis Lauder. And they just seem to be having just a ton of fun on screen. And I think that translates um, mm -hmm. to the movie. Like, I felt that energy. The material wasn't the best. Joe Carnahan... Listen, this thing's not going to be winning any awards, but uh, like I just, I just, it was a ton of fun, but it wasn't. Yeah. And to give you some context in the greater film world here of ratings, it on Letterboxd, uh, average viewer rating is about 3.1, okay. um, which I mean, you're on point with there. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has an 82%. Uh, fresh rating, nice. which uh, I think they said the average rating of those critics was about 6.6 .6 or something. So the vast, I mean, 82% of critics think positively of the film, which I mean, doesn't seem like it's difficult. I don't think there's any huge negatives that would warrant anything lower than like a failing grade on this movie for sure. And on Letterboxd, I think it has like an average rate of 6.2. And I think Letterboxd usually skews more towards the middle. Yeah. That seems like a fairly respectable uh, set of ratings for this movie. But that's about the same, right? About 60%. And that's, yeah. yeah. And like, that's all it has to be. I didn't, I, I didn't go into this looking for a game changer. I was hoping for, you know, another Smoke and Aces, but I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. You know, like I went in with like, not really knowing what to expect, not like, not expecting the world and it was just it was a nice fun ride it was a good distraction and it was just like i loved being with those characters There's a couple really cool character beats There's a couple lines of dialogue that showed that hint of promise and mm -hmm. if this gets um joe carnahan um keeps him going to get more work where i get where we get like another um movie that's on par with narc or that's on par with the gray or that's on par with a team I was like, yeah, more power to it. I will support all of his stuff um, to get to, in the hope of getting even more great content. Yeah. And it's like, in a world of, you know, big budget blockbusters that Amazon shamelessly promotes to death, <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow War, <laughs> um, and like superhero movies coming out the uh, whatever orifice you want to insert into that metaphor. Um, the nose? Yeah, coming out your nose. Sure, we'll go with that. Uh, just like milk. Um, but uh, <laughs> this is just, yeah, I don't know. It was like, it was a nice, refreshing little break. It was, this was like, almost like a palate cleanser, it felt, right? You know, it was yeah. like, you don't have to take things seriously. You don't have to think super hard about it. It's not exploring the depths of what it means to be a human being. Yeah, yeah. This is a bunch of people having fun on a movie set and a bunch of crazy characters doing crazy stuff. Yeah. I think this movie also benefited. I believe it was shot during the pandemic, like late 2020. And it, it seems like it probably had a decent like budget. And it was since, I mean, like 95% of it was in a single location, like this cop shop that 
the pandemic kind of helped to make a movie like this where yeah. it's just like, well, Joe Carnahan is a, he's not like super bankable. He doesn't have a ton of credits there and he's not making huge, big budget movies, but he'd be perfect to make a pretty tight focused movie like this during the pandemic where we're going to have a fairly small cast who can, you know, quarantine themselves for a couple of weeks, film a movie. We got some on uh, like, uh, we have some decent sets here with some action and yeah, I mean, we just get what we get and it's, it's pretty good. It's, it almost worked out. Uh, to the benefit of of the audience here like we get to benefit from a a smaller film like this yeah and i can't help but wonder as well how difficult it might have been to sort of pitch a cop movie in Ooh, the yeah. the post black lives matter and the the increased like intolerance for police forces like we've seen brooklyn 99 basically getting like end of life because it's very difficult to make a funny comedy about police officers now right now cop shop sort of like takes a black police officer puts her at the focus of this and pits them against like really evil guys like lamb is so comically over the top as, a, <laughs> as an assassin but there's like legit brutal violence against cops in this movie and there's some honestly like disturbing stuff where two of the cops come in like halfway through they like they're on like lunch or something right they yeah. come in and they're just like, what's going on here? And Lamb just like sweeps his automatic uh, uh, machine gun and basically kills one of them instantly. And the other one is incapacitated. He's pleading for his life. I got children, all this. Oh, yeah. And that was they brutal. just come in, basically execute this guy. And it's like, everything's on screen. It's just like, it. that was really uncomfortable. I mean, cop or not, that was going to be difficult to watch innocent people getting killed. But I can't help but feel that maybe that was part of the the motivation of making a movie like this in this current climate yeah i mean it's gonna be tough with that subject matter right i mean all the things going on with policing um the big thing going on with in america is at the kind of the catalyst it, it draws mm -hmm. a lot of attention um, specifically with black lives matter um and you know the deaths of a lot of black people at the hands of police who are being honest um <clears throat> but the same kind of mentalities that led to that in the u.s um that kind of racial profiling i mean it's here in canada it's elsewhere mm -hmm. in the western world as well and this climate where we're really aware of that and it's in the news a lot more and there's a lot more um, public outcry for things like police reform yeah and and we're um maybe the police stock in public opinion is i mean it's at a, it's at an all-time low um, yeah, currently. So anytime you're going to have any subject matter with police, whether you make them the heroes or the villains, you could, you could be seen as pandering to different narratives. And so you have to walk that fine line. But mm -hmm. I think Joe Carnahan did a really good job of staying as apolitical as possible. Yeah. Where it felt like he wasn't trying to make a commentary one way or the other. I mean, on the one hand, there was kind of, I mean, anytime now, like when you look at police and you look at, you automatically think of race. So you think you see mm -hmm. a black police officer that's going to have certain connotations. Right. But I think in, for a large part, it was just like, these are, you know, here's a bunch of people, different, a lot of different motivations, some of them hidden, some of them good, some of them bad. And like, what happens if you throw all these different people into the situation? I think, Mm -hmm. Them being in the police station was more just the function of getting everybody together. I could be wrong on this. 
um, but it didn't seem like he was, didn't seem yeah. like this movie to its, to its credit and detriment, it was pretty surface level in terms of themes. I, I agree. So I don't completely, think, yeah. I don't think Carnahan was trying to make any political statements, but you can't, you can't be completely apolitical, but I don't think he was specifically trying to make a political yeah. statement about police in general in this. No, you, I totally agree. I, I did not like pull any political things out of no. this. It's just basically, you know, our current climate and in recent events like that make, make everyone think about some of these things and obviously our movies in a different context. Yeah. I mean, it was good to actually see though, talking about bringing up race um, or ethnicity, like, like, you know, like you saw, like I think three, at least two of the cops in the cop shop proper were um, black. And then that FBI agent was black. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, stuff that you probably wouldn't have seen even a couple of years ago that people just take for granted is like, oh yeah, there's actually black people and they exist and we're going to include them in our stories now. Right. Uh, just like as a matter of course, or, or not just black people, but non-white people in general. It was nice to see that, you know, a, in the story full of, there's still quite a white, few white people, but like a, the main character could be argued or one of the main characters was that black cop. Um, but there was, but the, also the chief of police was black as well. And that FBI mm -hmm. agent who turned out to be corrupt yeah. was, was black. Um, but so it's nice that they're also getting, um, or it seems like people aren't being stereotypes. Like just because you're black, you're one of the good guys or just because you're yeah. white, you're one of the bad guys, you know? So like getting that diversity, I think helps kind of break down those stereotypes as well. But it's nice to see that kind of, you know, we you take for granted that especially as, to people who don't know us, I think we mentioned before, just for our perspective, we're both white men. So we don't, we've never had to really. We've experienced a cushy life of privilege. Yeah. Like we're, especially watching like, you know, watching movies or experiencing art where we, we see ourselves reflected mm -hmm. like literally and metaphorically in the art we produce knowing now that like, oh yeah, it is important to. Um, you know, other people, it has an effect, right? When, if a little kid um, from a different ethnicity that's not Caucasian, you know, the little black kid or original kid or Asian kid being able to see themselves reflected on screen, that's an, you know, that has an impact, it has a positive impact, being able to see yeah. yourself reflected in that art in your culture, right? So I think like just starting to see these things happen just as a matter of course, where it's like, of course, we're going to have a cast of, not just white people. We're going to have a cast of a bunch of different people is becoming yeah. more and more the norm. I think it's, it's small steps obviously, but I think these are, you know, positive steps in the right direction. I think that's why it would have been nice to have Valerie in this movie land the killing blow on a couple of these final, <laughs> like Teddy and the corrupt FBI agent, honestly. But yeah, it is nice to see that. Like she had that passion to keep going Never, obviously never giving up. Oh yeah. She had the drive. She was going to go the distance. She had the drive literally <laughs> at the end of the movie. She was driving hard. But that's the thing. I love how it was left ambiguous. Like the ending was ambiguous. Cause like she was bleeding out still. Right. Yeah. Like she still oh, had yeah. the, was it like a 44? I think it was, a, it was like yeah. a, it was a huge slug that she, she had shot. Cause he had like the old, um, cause it, she even specifically goes through. It's like, oh Yeah. Like he was shooting this thing as like, oh, it'd be 22s. But like, this is a bullet hole. It's a 44. It's like, oh, I shot myself. Yeah. But like a 44 yeah, she, is like, yeah, that's a right. much bigger slug than a 22, right? So it's like, that's that's not <laughs> insubstantial damage. Plus she was shot in the chest 
with a, a shotgun yeah, with a body armor on. It's like her rib. She's got to have a couple cracked ribs. Full show. Oh, yeah. No, she'll need some help later on. Yeah. And so, Patch her up. So she might she might bleed out and die before she even gets to uh, our well, buddy we there. Well, uh, in some sequel. She'll just stop in somewhere, get patched up. <laughs> Bam, keep on trucking. Give me that shot of adrenaline. Kill some yeah, zombies. Yeah, adrenaline. <laughs> that'd be kind of cool. It'd be interesting to see. Uh, Pills here. Joe Carnahan. Oh, let's see Joe Carnahan direct a zombie flick. We get like a bunch. <laughs> he needs to direct some more stuff. That'd man. be cool. Is like you get a bunch of people. Cause like his thing is like bringing a bunch of different people who probably shouldn't get along or wouldn't get along, putting them in a situation that kind of forces them to have to yeah. work together, or at least work in kind of parallel towards a common goal. But then like still having those motivations where like, are they going to double cross each other? When are they going to double cross each other? That would go, go great with the zombie flick. I think. Without a doubt. Anything else to add to uh, Cop Shop 2021? Yes. Go get yourself arrested. Get in that Cop Shop with Joe Carnahan and uh, his fellow Cop Shopites. Go watch this movie. It's a fun time. You're going you're gonna to have fun with Cop Shop. I guarantee. Sounds sounds good, man. We probably got to cut half this out, so it doesn't matter. I just gave you like three <laughs> different endings. Check out Cop Shop. It's a good movie. No, check out Cop Shop. Have a rune tune good time. <laughs> no, check out Cop Shop. It's a nice, quick, easy. <laughs> Cop Shop is a movie that came out in 2021. <laughs> it came out in 2021. There Listen, are actors in it. Yes. There's music. Cop Shop is definitely one of the movies that came out in 2021. It has <laughs> actors, cinematography, and music. Definitely check out this film. <laughs> and guns. There's lots of guns, lots of violence. Um, people get shot. That's one of the things I saw online. It was just like, oh, it's nonstop action. I was like, was it nonstop action? I'm not sure. Really? <laughs> really was it? Is it? <laughs> I've seen more action. <laughs> you know, it has your action per capita. You can cobble something together but, for the ending there, right? <laughs> God, I hope so. We do five different endings. You can pick one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode of the Real Film Chronicles podcast. Thank you for listening and hanging out with us today. We really appreciate your support and look forward to you joining us for the next episode. We can be found around the internet and social media with our home base being realfilmchronicles.com, which will have all the links you need to follow and keep in touch with us. If you have a moment, we'd really appreciate if you could leave some feedback, such as a rating on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you're listening on. And feel free to send us an email to realfilmchronicles at outlook.com. We'd love some suggestions, questions, or general comments and would enjoy including them on an upcoming episode. Until next time, take care of yourself and others and keep your film journey going. <laughs>